You're listening to a special edition of the Action Figure Blues podcast brought to you by Mike's Comics and Stuff and ActionFigureBlues.com. This is the AFB Q&A with Eli Dozy Muppet Farrell. Eli, how are you? I am well. How are you, Scott? I'm great, thank you. I have survived relatives, survived Christmas. Uh, and have, Me too. Yeah, good on you, obviously, seeing as you're mm. here. Yeah. <laughs> how was your – people have heard about my Christmas already. How was your Christmas? It was quite good. We, we had a household full of relatives, so we had ten people, two dogs. Ooh. It was uh, not without its challenges, but for the most it was very lovely and um, a good time was had by all, food, drinks, um, pleasantries. Merriment. Yes, we went and spent a week on the beach. Awesome. That was really lovely, staggering out of bed into the water. (laughs) Oh, there's some dolphins swimming past. How lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. How do your dogs go with visitors? Yeah, I mean, we've got them pretty well trained for when we know there's people coming that um, we set them up to make sure they come in and ignore the dogs and pretend they don't exist Uh. and that um, we make it so that um, we set the hierarchy. Yes. Dogs need to know that they are not higher than the guests. (laughs) They're allowed to be higher than the people who aren't our guests but not the guests. That's fair enough. Yeah, so they they go all right, and they had a great time at the beach. Oh yeah, we went um, just down because we only live about an hour away from Phillip Island in mm. the Morning Peninsula. We went down just not quite that far. We went to Point Leo, which is a really nice. It's the closest beach we found that feels like a New South Wales South Coast beach, because <laughs> um, the Victorian beaches are quite different. Um, and our little Harry McClary, who is a um, rescue, and he's like a little Maltese uh, Shih Tzu sort of cross, you know. And he, it's it's such an amazing thing because he is quite happy to just cuddle with you all day and just have a little walk. But get him out on the beach, and he just tears around like he was made for it. It is it's hilarious. So he had a great time yesterday. We went for a lovely walking a bit it was good mm. although we actually got we we had him we didn't realize we had him on the beach too early like you're only allowed to have the dogs on the beach from in in daylight savings from seven at night onwards and mm. we were on the beach at six thirty, and we got spoken to by a ranger yes sydney is the worst i mean maybe it worked but it's bad down there as well but sydney is horrible like you can't take your dogs to any beaches there's one beach near cronulla where you can only take them you know in unreasonable hours like before nine in the morning and probably the same thing as you after seven at night yeah they're just not welcome and it's and it's very bizarre because there's sure as a lot of dogs yeah i mean it is in victoria there i'm sure it's the same in new south wales but there are a particular wildlife that 
are threatened and easily disturbed by dogs. And so I do understand it, but it is a, I think particularly. I don't, I don't think the time of day affects that. But no, it doesn't. That's what I was saying last night. Was that <laughs> I think the difference between being here at 6.30 or 7 is not going to make any impact on whether or not our dog disturbs wildlife. Yeah. Um, but I guess they've got to do something. But it's just such a, Australia is such a dog uh, and beach country um mm. that it's the thought of not being able to take your dog to the beach when you want to is just not it, it doesn't make sense yeah anyway this is actually a toy podcast for, ah. the, for those of you that have never joined us before and are thinking hey what, what? is this the favorite beaches for to take your dogs podcast yeah well, it's not it is a special edition but it's not that special edition this is actually all about you but if, if you are wondering, there is a book available for dog beaches <laughs> in Australia. <laughs> Absolutely. But this is about me. This is actually about you. Not even about your dogs. It's about you as a collector. Um, if you've never listened to one of our Q&A episodes before, uh, we started these very early on in the life of the podcast when people uh, expressed an interest in knowing a bit more about us and so we developed the Q&A format as a way to have a sit down interview with one of the hosts and has it taken 99 episodes for somebody to ask to hear about me <laughs> well actually nobody has we just kind of felt bad for you so we <laughs> oh, oh i feel bad for me now <laughs> it's not done on request <laughs> and uh, we've used these as as you know ways to fill in if we can't get an episode together or need a break and we um we needed an extra week between 99 and 100 to get our act together for our 100th episode i just Um, thought it because we hadn't spoke a lot lately yeah well that's true (laughs) (laughs) and we also wanted to remind people who you are um so yeah i'm the guy who's got the internet now and so are you yay yeah we've both had internet problems recently no fun um but we are going to spend a bit of time just asking you some questions um first of all in short form and then long form and we're going to get started with what we call the toy box 10 Tonight we want to find out all about our guests, their collection, their collecting habits, etc. But before we get underway, we're going to hit them up with the Toy Box 10. This is a set of rapid-fire questions that we've come up with to uh, start to get to know them a little bit better. Um, So, Eli, are you ready? Ready. Here we go. Short answer. First toy of any type that you remember having? I would think it's either a couple of plush toys, I recall. I had a long-limbed dog with a hat and (laughs) his partner in crime was a blue bunny, a little bit like a Duracell bunny, um, well-worn, and I used to play poker with them. (laughs) Do you still have them? No. Oh, that's sad. But I remember uh, somebody from my mum's work knitted the bunny a maroon cardigan. Oh, that's so cute. Mm. Okay, favourite toy as a child? I was thinking it's probably Star Wars figures. Can't remember which one specifically, but I remember um, Leia and the Rebels from Return of the Jedi and Endor outfit was pretty cool. But I think I would have to honestly say the original Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, 
only because he stayed with me a long time because he had a surfing pose. <laughs> and as I got into surfing, he was my little dude that I could pose and I made him a surfboard out of ice cream container. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, now, here's a tricky one. Favorite pop culture character? Firestorm. No way. Mm. I'm shocked. And I don't know why. Okay. Now, this answer could be the same. Biggest pop culture celebrity crush. Yeah, this was weird. I had to ask my wife. <laughs> um, what? I, I don't really have one. And At a stretch, I could say Julie Newmar. Um, or probably in terms of things I've watched with the most most films with her in it, Maggie Chung from um, not Chinese, Hong Kong films. So she was in Hero, for instance. Okay, cool. But not really a crush. No. Yep, I struggled on that one too. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Holy Grail item? A Firestorm statue. Non-existent one. Yeah. <laughs> the invisible Holy Grail. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Your favourite pop culture-related movie? Empire Strikes Back. Fair enough. Are you out as a collector? A little bit. <laughs> Semi-out. Yeah. Yeah, people at work know. Um, more and more people know, but it's not something I sort of promote. It's not on your business card? New. New. Okay. Well, it's, it's on my Twitter profile a little bit. It says I'm a bit of a geek. Okay. That's as far as it gets. As far as it gets. Fair enough. Your favourite Ninja Turtle? Donatello. Why? Because he is sensible and solid and he kicks ass. Just like you. Just like that old quote, is it speak softly and carry a big stick. <laughs> Fair enough. And finally, your dream toy line that's yet to be made. Yeah, that's a hard one. I think if I had to pick one that is sort of a contained thing, I would like to see um, Dynamite's Kirby Genesis series. Ooh, mm. that's a good one. I think it would look bloody good if done well. Lots of colour, lots of interesting bits and pieces. Yeah, fair enough. Very good. Well, that wraps up the Toy Box 10. We will come back in just a moment with our discussion. Okay, well, we've had a chance to ask some short questions in the Toy Box 10, and uh, now we're going to really get into the meat and bones of it. Um, Eli, I guess just as a start, can you give us just a little bit of a potted history of you and your background, where you grew up and all that good stuff? Well, I was born in Sydney, Australia. Australia. I have lived in various places along the eastern seaboard of Australia. So I've lived in um, uh, Melbourne and I've lived up on the far north coast of New South Wales around Byron Bay. Um, and I've also spent a few years in Sweden. Uh-huh. What took you to Sweden? A lady. A lady. <laughs> so you, this, and this is your wife? Yes. Did you meet in Sweden or in Australia? In Australia. Okay. Yeah. So I was living in Manly in uh, Sydney and there are quite a few travellers in um, that area and um, people that I was living with knew my wife-to-be and, uh, yeah, it was just sort of a friendship that uh, developed into other stuff after a lot of back and forth (laughs) and um, people moving between countries and all that sort of stuff. 
And how did you end up settling in Australia? Um, primarily because it was easier for me to um, get work here. Okay. Um, to support us while we had a young family. And, um, and, and eventually um, my wife realised that she liked it here more than in Sweden and she was turning into an Aussie. <laughs> now, she, now she's the one recommending the castle to people. <laughs> oh, that's very good. I, I find, you know, being in an in a international marriage myself, that it's more common, I think, to settle where the wife is from, um, because mm. women, you know, tend to be closer to their family, etc. But Australia tends to break that rule <laughs> because it's just such a great place to live. Yeah. Um, that why would you not want to live here? Yeah, politics aside, it's a good place to live. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> People, um, you know, th- this last week that we've just had where the U.S. has had Snowmageddon and people are like, oh, do you miss snow? I'm like, uh, have you watched the news? Like, <laughs> you know, it's actually, there's a novelty factor there, but it wears off really quickly and then it's just annoying and yeah. unpleasant. Why would you want to live in that? As soon as it's no longer fun snow, no. No, no. Yeah, I wouldn't go back to it. So... In terms of your journey as a collector, where mm. does it begin? Not just the, you know, where do you get toys, where do toys come mm. in, but where does the kind of collecting bug come in for you? Um, I guess I've all, it seems like I've, I, I go in little, I have gone in fads um, where I obsess about a particular thing for a period of time. Um, it's sort of settled uh, at the moment, but um, whether that's from, collecting football jerseys or single malt whiskies or things that aren't toys. Yeah, it's, I've had a bit of a, a mean collector streak about me, but something that I've always had to keep, keep in check. <laughs> What's the first thing that you collected? Um, it'd probably be, yeah, comics when I was, when I was a young teenager. Okay. Yeah, and that was for a number of years and, until uh, I moved to a place where I just didn't have as much access. So it um, petered out when I was about 19, I guess. And what were those comics that you, you first collected? When I first started collecting, uh, it was mostly DC. So this was um, sort of the mid-late 80s. Um, so that was off the back of Crisis and I got into collecting DC comics around, I guess more around the Legends time. Hmm. Um, and so I was into all the sort of stuff that was happening around there. So Firestorm, Flash, Booster Gold, um, uh, Batman, uh, Action Comics, you know, the John Byrne stuff. Yeah. Um, so it started it started there. So and there was post-crisis. So post-crisis, yeah. Right. Uh, I did have some awareness of, of all that stuff before then um, and I remember a very early comic I had was one of the um, the Australian black and white reprints of, it was a Flash comic and I think it was a, a it was Carmen Infantino um, art, oh. I believe, um, which I coloured in with a red pencil. Explain the black and white reprints. Yeah, so in Australia there were a bunch of reprints by, not sure if it's the same company um, that just changed name, Federal and Murray Comics. And Murray was um, the uh, mascot for Murray was a fat cat called Murray. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there's a whole bunch of reprints done. Uh, there was also oh, some Marvel ones done, but I forget what the um, imprint on that one was. And they're actually quite, um, they're sort of a collector item now when you see them on eBay. They're never really just so cheap that, oh, I'll just grab those for 99 cents. They always go for about five bucks. Um, Was that the only way that you could get comics or did they have the colour ones as well? No, we had the proper colour ones here as well, but um, I think there was just a, there's there's always been a little bit of an attempt to have an Australian um, publisher of the uh, DC and Marvel stuff in Australia. It's just sort of come and gone in waves. Okay. I think there's a current one for Marvel called Otter Press. They do a lot of the um, reprint digests of Spider-Man and stuff like that. (laughs) Very good. But then, then I moved into Marvel Comics... Uh, more so to Marvel Comics. I didn't, I was never all or nothing, but, um, you know, I got into Spider-Man around the um, Todd McFarlane run and Wolverine and um, and the X-Men. So X-Men around Fall of the Mutants is when I really got into them and Wolverine around the um, the launch of the his own series with John Buscema. Okay. And Punisher, that sort of stuff. Very good. And then eventually, I well, just around the start of the image stuff, I collected a bunch of image stuff, so Spawn and Max and Pitt and stuff like that, and then I just stopped. When did you stop? Yeah, it would have been when I was, yeah, 19. Um, yeah, so that would have been 92. Okay. And when did you start again? I started again about five and a half years ago now. So 2008, I think, is when I got back into – I started – I didn't start – I've always sort of picked up the occasional comic over the years, but – so that's when I started getting back into comics again, but mainly um, getting with trades and um, uh, collected editions Uh, and then going through and buying all the Firestorm back issues that I could find. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me about Firestorm. What is it that has uh, put him as number one in terms of your uh, character interests? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a hard thing to answer. I think he just appealed to me at the time when I started um, getting into comics, as I said, in the late 80s. Um, he was a fun character. He, he had plenty of um, life about him hmm. and he, he, you know, he looked fun, the red, white and yellow um, flame in his head. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly what it was, but it might have also just been a bit of you know, he's not everybody's favourite, but I can latch on to him and make him mine. Hmm. And where did you discover him? Was it in his solo title or in Justice League? Um, I think it was solo title okay. and coming out of Legends as well. He okay. was in Legends, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, my, I when I started reading, uh, he was in his initial Justice League run. And so he was just a, you know, to me, he was a, a main character in the DCU, if it, if it were, he's Mm. never been my favorite, but he's always been on my kind of list of characters. I really enjoyed. And he's always had interesting supporting casts too. Yeah. um, Which I think is a, um, yeah, something that there are other characters that have never kind of succeeded in that way. 
Mm, yeah, you're right. Like some of the, the supporting cast, like Firehawk, um, is really good and the villains are very B-list but um, memorable. Oh, yeah. And I guess the whole concept of the uh, – they've I think they've renamed it or retrofitted it to be the Firestorm Matrix, but that whole idea of Ronnie and Professor Stein mm. fusing together – to mm. be a person that was always a bit interesting absolutely well there's you know, a dynamic there um, and 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 firestorm talking to himself a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not mad no so action figures when mm. when did they begin for you and with what so i had as a as a child i did have um uh, some action figures so i had some star wars stuff the original stuff i i remember saving up my pennies to buy a he-man mm-hmm. um i had um, a couple of superpowers figures that i got from the supermarket i remember i only had robin and mr miracle but i i love those figures not first room no, no, I, it it just didn't appear on the shelves where I was, mm. you, and I wasn't I wasn't hunting them down. Do you own one now? I sure do. <laughs> Good to know. Just checking. I toyed, toyed with the idea of getting a um, one on card, mm. but uh, I don't know if I really need to. Yeah, I don't have a carded Aquaman either. It's one of those things I kind of think when I get really serious about just having an Aquaman collection, I'll get a carded Superpowers one. But mm. yeah. yeah. But um, so as a child, yeah, I had some and there was, you know, there's bits and pieces I remember having that were, I may have owned some Power Lords figures. I, I believe I had one of those. Oh. I remember, I'm pretty sure I remember doing the turning torso thing so many times that I must have actually owned <laughs> one of them. Um, and I remember buying for my younger brother all the Brave Star stuff when that came out. Oh, wow. So I sort of, you know, I pretend that I half owned those. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, 2008 when I got back into it and I can't remember what the actual bug was, but I, I wanted to have a Firestorm action figure and, uh, and that's when I just started looking online a lot, you know, because the internet appeared between when I'd stopped collecting comics and when I started collecting comics and mm. started to do the... Um, you know, is there a Firestorm action figure? And I landed on the um, the DC Direct's JLA Series 2 figure, yep. um, which is a beautiful figure even though it is faulty. What, what's faulty about it? He's got too many red dots Oh, on yes, of course, as covered in our Toy History of Firestorm. Correct. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I tracked that down, but then I, I wasn't that sophisticated a um, action figure tracker downer then. And the only way I thought I could get it to for a reasonable price, this is the mentality of the collector setting in, is that I had to buy the complete wave. Oh, no. To make that worth getting and, you know, telling myself I was going to sell the rest. Uh-uh. So then I ended up with Adam Strange and Elongated Man and the Atom. Yes. So Adam Strange, I thought, actually, I'm going to keep him. He looks good. <laughs> and so I started going, well, if I have things that look good, you know, as a pop culture sort of things that I can put on a shelf, then, you know, a couple of those, that's fine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I never did sell the other two figures. Yeah. Funny but, that. Yeah, I've yeah. still got most of them in photo boxes other than the head of the Adam, which I used for one of my first customs being Captain Ooh. America. <laughs> Oh well, that that that's a 
a fairly easy toy to replace if you ever want another one, I think. <laughs> You'd think. I don't think they're actually that easy to come by. Oh, really? Not on eBay, no. Okay. I've never looked. No, you wouldn't. No. The um, In terms of then, I guess, kind of discovering what else was out there and connecting with the collector community, how did that happen for you? So it was when I was looking um, at the DC Direct's um, Showcase Presents figures and um, so we're looking at the uh, Superman with the changeable heads and hands, you know. The, oh, yeah. Yep. yep. And the Jonah Hex, there's a Hawkman and Batgirl. Batgirl, yeah. And I was looking, reading reviews of Batgirl and I think I'd already bought it but I was you know you you like to see what other people are saying about stuff as well mm-hmm. and that's when I stumbled upon Critical Mess and uh, it was our own Dr Terrific uh-huh. he was having a very amusing and expletive laden rant about uh, scale fail mm. about Batgirl in <laughs> at the time and uh, I, th- I thought it was very amusing and uh, I had a bit more of a look around um, th- the mess and joined up and and I thought these people are pretty funny. <laughs> got into the comics discussions and and obviously was exposed more to action figure discussions. And the rest is history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then you fell in with those action figure blues people and Yeah, that's right. Well as it happens, your your um your blog yeah, the f- had had come up in some uh research that I'd been doing uh, along the time as well. So I sort of knew your name by the time I got to Critical Mess and you popped up as a user there. Well, there you go. Mm. <clears throat> that's funny. <laughs> So in, in terms of the main things that you have collected uh, in the time that you've been back, what are the the lines that have uh, caught your eye and that, that you've been committed to at some point? Look, aside from – so DC Universe Classics, um, early on they produced um, Firestorm, a couple of variants. So I was – Hooked into, I was fortunate, you know, to land back into collecting around that time to go, oh, wow, there's there's Firestorm opportunities here. And then I ended up picking up a bunch of DC Universe classics and I bought a lot of them. Um, and I actually don't have many of them anymore. I did sell most of those mm. um, because... I really was never really interested in collecting a whole universe of figures, but I just suddenly started amassing them because they were representations of characters that we'd never seen before. That was the most interesting thing for me or things that were hard to get, like, you know, we got Blue Beetle when, you know, it was really hard to get a a Blue Beetle um, at the time because the DC Direct one was so rare and hard to get for a decent price. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, like I say, since then I've actually gotten rid of most of those so my collection isn't made up so much of that anymore i do have a few um choice pieces that i've retained like um hawkman and swamp thing and the firestorms of course um a couple of other pieces like bronze tiger um adam strange the um the the newer version not the classic one um yeah but um i when I look at my collection, I don't actually have a lot of any one thing. I think mostly there's probably only one or two that I've got six or seven or maybe eight in a series. 
Um, and there are things like um, DC Direct's New Gods figures, the Jack Kirby-inspired ones, the, the New Frontier figures, Darwin Cook ones, mm. um, uh, NECA's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, I've only got about half a dozen um, Masters of the Universe classics figures now. I got rid of a bunch of those. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I've only got like He-Man, Skeletor, um, Man-at-Arms, Moss Man, um, Battle Cat, you know, not much. <laughs> what, what, what sort of support do you have for the habit in your household? I have a lot more support now that I've, uh, I, can, I can hand on heart say that I'm not collecting um, compulsively. Okay. <laughs> that I'm actually pick and choose, picking and choosing things that, uh, you know, they, it, I, can, I can actually say these things kind of mean something to me. They, they look cool and, um, and it's not obsessive. It's, it's an overall kind of collection of things that are cool. Hmm. What sort of display do you have? Well, late last, well, mid last year, my my wife grew up, <laughs> <laughs> and and let me um, encourage me to actually set up a, a, a display of sorts in in one of our rooms. So I um, invested in uh, a few billies with some glass doors, and um, set up a, a little display of just a mixture of of all the things I've got. I actually have. Most of what I own on display, there's only one box of stuff that um, is in reserve. Um, but the display, like I say, it's got the new gods, the new frontier, my firestorm stuff, um, turtles, few Batman, um, the the Master of the Universe stuff, the Four Horsemen stuff that I own, um, Star Wars Black, that's huh. there now. A um, couple of larger figures like, you know, the Marvel Legends Galactus, um, I mentioned Swamp Thing before, um, the the DC uh, Infinite Heroes Starro thing. Yep, I love that. Uh, Marvel Select, I've got a few X-Men, so Colossus, Wolverine, Storm, a um, few bits and pieces of Iron Man and um, Hulk and Spider-Man, but not too much. And then my customs, really. Tell me about your customizing. What what started you you what started you on that particular path there was no badger figure <laughs> <laughs> so badger being the um the uh, capital comics and then first comics creation of uh, mark baron also of nexus fame with steve rude hmm. um and when I, in my first round of collecting comics, I, you know, I got attached to Badger as well. Um, and when I, you know, got my, came back into the world of comics and, and action figures in 2008, I go, well, there's no Badger figure. Is that going to happen? <laughs> and I saw rumors of a Badger figure with um, the man who shall go unnamed in case somebody gets sued, mm. um, whatever they are. I can't even remember what the name oh, is. Oh yes, Shocker. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yep, yep. Um, and there was a rumor that he was he he was going to get the license to do it, but it quickly became apparent that that was never going to happen. Mm. So I um I had tried my hand at uh, customizing, and I've I've since disposed of the figure, but um, it was actually a pretty good pretty pretty good effort. So what do you mean disposed? <sighs> 
once you put a custom action figure into storage and you don't yeah. do the right things, they they can tend to look shit pretty quickly. Yep, I understand. <laughs> so to try and repair it, I thought I'll just get around to doing another version that'll be better later on. So that's why I got into it. Um, and that's the same reason I've got into um, custom comic book binding is making things that aren't going to be made. Hmm. Things that I want that nobody else is going to make for me. Uh, I think, look, is that a, a, in terms of the skills involved on the practical side, is that something that was already a, a part of you or did you have to kind of develop uh, those being practical skills to do it? Because I'm not practical and so that's something <laughs> that stops me from you know, like I can teach myself stuff I have to do. Like, you know, I can put up shelving. I can you know, do that sort of stuff. But the, it, it's not, it's never going to be fun for me. It's always going to be a stressful trial. Um, mm-hmm. So are you practical in in real life? Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess, you know, I've got enough practical skills with doing things like that. And and when I researched and had a look at customizing or, or book binding, for instance, and I've gone, I think I can do that, you know, I can, and it's not going to cost me too much to do it. Yeah. It's just going to take some patience and some care and, um, and hopefully I'll be all right at it. <laughs> and in both cases, it's worked out. I mean, I'm obviously not that prolific a customizer, but... I'm pretty proud of the stuff I do make. Mm, mm. Um, you know, I, I want it to be something that I'm going to put on my shelf, mm. uh, as all most customizers are, other than the ones who just go and sell them. Sell them, yeah. <laughs> so, so people who may not be aware of the bookbinding, tell us a bit about that, how it came about and what you've done. So the main reason I wanted to get into bookbinding was, again, Firestorm related, where I wanted to... Um, uh, there have been very few collected Firestorm um, trades or hard covers. Covers. There's like one from um, the original Firestorm run, mm. and that only came out like a couple of years ago. There was one from the um, the third volume when Jason Rush first came out, and it was only a volume in the middle of the run. It wasn't at the start or anything. Oh. Because that and would that, make too much sense. No, that would make too much sense. Yeah. And 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 only now with the new Fifty Two stuff are they regularly putting out collections. Hmm. Um, so, I um, I wanted to develop the skills to be able to bind them myself. Now I've actually yet to actually bind those. I've, I've prepared most of the original Firestorm comics for binding. Um, but I've done a lot of practicing on other books, starting with um, some stuff for my son, so Batman Brave and the Bold, Billy Batson and the Magic of Shazam or something like that. A um, bunch of stuff for him, and I've done some own books for myself. So I've done DC Comics Presents. I've bound the whole run of those. Um, and it's a really it's, – it's a, it's a fun technique – it's it's part meditative and part, you know, being really careful and, you know, being creative a bit if when you're doing title pages or if you're designing covers for the books. Hmm. It's higher stakes than customising, I would think, because you're dealing with, you know, comics that uh, are ruined if you don't get it right. That's right. I'm an amateur cab- comic book stabber. <laughs> Have you had any any failures along the way? No, no, I've had 
I've had a I had one incident. So I've had a couple where um, the uh, one of the edges is hasn't been totally uneven, but nothing you would notice from the bookshelf. It's only when you uh, are reading it. But there was one issue where I missed. There was one book where I missed an issue. Uh, I was binding the recent Young Justice run for my son, and I actually missed an issue. And I think it was in the car, <laughs> and I. Don't know how I missed it because I'm pretty, you know, methodical about it and I go through it and make sure I've got all the issues a few times because once you do it, they're in. Yeah. But I was able to to insert the issue through smoke and mirrors and <laughs> and it's okay and, you know, it's all good. But it, it is one of those things, yeah. It's, you can start again. The, the technique that I'm using is called um, Smythe Zone. So... All the everything's sewn together um, and then then glued, um, and you can undo it, but you'd rather not. Fair enough. What does um the what's the appeal of having those sort of collections besides um obviously that you know they haven't been made. You know, do you reread them? How do you use them? Yeah, yeah. It's so. Uh, for instance, um, so the Dr. Fate collection from um, the late 80s by um, J.M. DeMattis and um, Sean McManus and various others, I made sure I was binding them in order and once they're bound, then I read them. It's like there's a whole volume of, of a character's story that I can read in one go. Um, Starbrand from the New Universe, DP Seven, those types of things. Actually, rereading those in you know as a as a complete book is really cool. It's because my memory of those you know those stories was pretty hazy, um, and I remember liking them. But then actually rereading them, some of them become quite. Um, surprising it's like wow that was really well written and it's a it's a shame it got cancelled but you know that those things happen um but yeah for the purpose of i've got them and i made them so having something that you made is is always fun but being able to read them as a whole story is is wonderful and my son can pick up the stuff you know where it's appropriate and he can read through them and he spends more time reading things like dc comics presents than i do that's very cool. So your son shares some of your interests. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a. I mean, he's an avid reader. He's you know he's that age. Um, but yeah, he's he's interested in you know comics and and some action figures. He's more of a Lego person, but um, yeah, we share a lot of the same interests. So that's handy. Very cool. So in terms of where you see your collecting going, what's on the, what's on the cards for you? What um, do you see yourself, you know, collecting in the next couple of years or maybe conversely stopping collecting? Um, you know, what's the, the current state of it for you? I guess it depends what the definition of collecting is. If, if collecting is picking and choosing and picking up the occasional thing is still collecting, then I'll still be collecting. Um, I'll have semi-culls of my collection when I decide that stuff no longer has enough meaning for the long term for me and hopefully I won't regret it later on, but I find I rarely do. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think um, 
there's you know there's there's always something good and I and I think I mentioned this in our wrap up show you know I don't mind series dying because you know we have a good thing and it's a shame we don't get everything we want but there's always something else. Mm. Um, there is so much good pop culture uh, merchandise. You know we're we're really fortunate and we're really fortunate at the moment we've got things like you know Star Wars Black series which is really exciting and and you know that's in the year ahead and possibly two years ahead, that'll probably be the one thing that I collect regularly. Mm. Um, hopefully it doesn't get out of hand, but, you know, <laughs> there's a risk there. Well, the other risk is that my son's into them now as well. So, you yeah. know, I'm having to double up on a lot of stuff and that gets a little bit pricey. But if it's the only thing, then that's okay. Um, you know, I'm not like you and Ben with your statue purchases. <laughs> so, I'm sure next time I see you, you'll have limbs missing. That you no, had to no, sell. no, 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 <laughs> no, no. I, I, that's why I have children. <laughs> they're much more flexible. They can live with one kidney. You know, it's your, really... your your organ farm. Yeah. Well, I've actually, like, with my own statue collection, a lot of that has been funded by selling action figures. Mm. Yeah, because you can't have everything, and. I in you know, the statues display so nicely. It's made me kind of rethink. Okay, well, why do I have all these action figures? And um, you know, I've been a lot more picky in that regard. So I currently have a you know kind of motto of that my toy collecting should be paid for by selling other stuff yeah. um, rather than just you know cash. So a bit of entertainment budget, but it's uh, I'm actually spending a lot less these days than I used to. Yeah, I'm I'm very much um, encouraged to to um, keep a circular fund going, and, that's, and I have I have made it clear that that won't that won't pay for everything by itself, but no. it does keep us all happy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I you know, I'll just continue to pick and choose. I don't think there's any there's not too many action figures that exist that I feel like I really need to have now, um, particularly the older stuff. Like I think the quality of sculpts and articulation now, it's like I I'm, I'm don't really want too much of, you know, I guess the mid-2000, late-2000 stuff, DC Direct, Marvel Legends, never really been that interested in. But I don't feel like I'm going to be going back and picking up much of that stuff. I think I'll probably stay mostly with action figures, but, you know, there's a lot of great stuff Um coming out so the japanese stuff uh is is a potential slippery slide <laughs> like the bandai and figure arts and revoltech those types of things yes yeah and, and do you find that particularly i guess being a part of the podcast and interfacing with other collectors that it, it's hard not to kind of have your interests um broadened just because you're listening to the stuff that other people are interested in Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I can see myself buying uh, statues in, at some, in some sort of form. Uh, you know, I don't think it'll be that hard now because I'm just so exposed to it through you guys. Yeah. The Japanese stuff, yeah. I mean, you know, I picked up a Funko Pop figure a few <laughs> months ago and didn't think I was going to do that. Um, I, I think it's it's harder for me with comics when I listen to comic-based podcasts and I just, you know, I've had stuff on my radar and then I read, you know, trusted reviews and stuff and it's like, damn you, now I have to go and buy that. 
Yes. And that's that's actually quite expensive. Yeah. I, I think the reverse, though, is that sometimes because, you know, other people are collecting, reviewing, etc., some stuff we can kind of live vicariously about. Mm. You know, to go like, I mean, I love some of the stuff that Adam talks about. If I had an unlimited budget, I'd probably buy some of it. But, you know, I'm content to listen to his review of Sailor Moon or <laughs> um, that sort of thing and not have to own it myself. Um, so I suppose it works both ways. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess the same with the statues you guys have. You lovingly detail, you know, them, and I was like, wow, that's that would look pretty good. <laughs> well, once the um, the firestorm statue comes out, that that, that that'll be your um, yeah, you'll be gone. Yeah, I am surprised I haven't cracked on the Batman black and white statues a few times. There's been at least three or four that I was like, wow, I, I could actually convince myself that I really need that. They are pretty beautiful. I can't believe Firestorm's never even had a a bust. Yeah. You know, like when you think about similar kind of league characters that have had DC Direct busts, the, mm. the fact that they've never done Firestorm does not make a lot of sense to me. No, and when we see it, it's going to be the wrong version. Yeah. Well, and, now... creating, and doing a Deathstorm bust. Oh, that's right. It's a beautiful piece, but what you, the fuck? Do you own it? No. 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 I, I I think, and that's probably still true, well, at the time, um, probably not so much now, but I thought if they made a Firestorm bus right now, I would probably get both. Hmm. But um, now I just I don't care about Deathstorm. <laughs> <laughs> you can live without it. The moment's passed on that one. Fair enough. Yeah, Fair enough. So I, and I actually think, you know, it, there's more chance of me trying to figure out how I could do my own sculpture than it actually happening for me. Yes, fair enough. Mm. So in terms of what it is about, I guess, this hobby or collecting in general that um, makes life better for you, you know, that that's a question that I really like to ask. It's not just a, you know, like why do you like this, but how does it make life better for you? What is it about it that makes you a, a happier or a better person? I think the sad answer is that it's filling a hole in my life from somewhere. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's hard to get away from that. And yeah. I, I think I think it may have something to do with, you know, the unfulfilled desires from when I was a childhood and now I have the financial means to buy things I like. Mm. Um, but I really like looking at my collection. Like I just... You know, you, you know when you just stare at your collection and go, I just love all this. Could I change this? You know, the the display a little bit to make it even more awesome. Hmm. Uh, and I guess it helps that my collection is very pick and choose. Like I, yeah. only, I, I've, I've been well, I, you know, I can't, apart from a couple of blips where I've bought things that I didn't need. Pretty much everything that I've got is stuff that I happily would display and it's appropriate for, you know, my household and my wife and my kids and, you know, small daughter and impressionable mm. son and all that sort of stuff. But I just, I just, it's, it's, it's fun to see these uh, representations of characters that you like the look of. They just look like toys. I don't expect them to look realistic. Uh, and yeah, I dig them. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it has been awesome to get to chat to you about this and to uh, get to pick your brain a bit and mm. for the people out there to be able to hear a bit more about you and what makes you tick. And my love life and yeah. Yeah, 
We might we might have cut some of that out though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just the just the raunchy bits, you know. Yeah. I thought you know the detail of the conception of your second child was a little bit over the top, so you know, we might leave that one out. We had to cut the third act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it has been great. And and next up, we're turning a hundred. Yeah, that's excitement. Far out. And uh, by the time... You're flying us all in, aren't you? Oh, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, Stacey, you've organised that, haven't you? <laughs> what? Oh, maybe not. Yeah. I think mm. Stacey might have been asleep on the job. So we might have to do it remotely. Mm. No, it should be exciting once we work out what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> we have yeah, plans. There's a plan. There's a plan. Plans. There are plans. But by the time you, you know... Here 100, it will have been planned or at least it will have been done. It would be useful if that was the case. Awesome. Can you, I, It's hard to believe actually that we've made it this far. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and, that we, and that we've actually kept up a weekly output. Yeah, well, I think that's mostly down to you and Ben, to be honest, and John. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> if we're relying on me, it will be a monthly podcast. Yeah, <laughs> if that. <laughs> no, but you know, it takes a village. <laughs> no, it's good. It's all good. Uh, well, it's a pleasure doing this with you, and it was great chatting to you. And uh, if you enjoyed this chat, then you might like to go back and listen to uh, the other Q and A episodes that already exist. There is one for Ben. There's one for Justin. There's one for Adam, and there's even one for little old me. And uh, next time we need one of these. I guess we'll have to do John. Mm, let's do John. Let's do John. Good old John. And uh, that's it. Awesome. Well, next time you hear us, we'll be 100 episodes old. Hooray. Yay. Forgive us if we um, repeat stories or piddle everywhere. Yeah, it happens <laughs> with age. And start singing the old grey mare. She, <laughs> she used to be. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> See you later, everybody. Bye. Bye. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and downloaded direct at actionfigureblues.com by clicking on the podcast tab. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join in with all of the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, new releases, old lines, and engage in trades and sales in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, ShelfLife.net, and the Pop Culture Superstore, who help keep our site running. You can also find us on Twitter at AFBlues and on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. 